We're going to pick up pretty much where we left off last time, but let's go back to verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us to the adoption of sons by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace by which He has made us accepted in the Beloved. Well, we're going to focus here on verses 4, 5, and 6 and some other areas in, in Scripture. But the word here that is translated predestined comes from the Greek word prohorzeo. It means to predetermine, decide beforehand. To predetermine and to decide beforehand. Well, that's pretty much what we understand it to be, isn't it? I have from Weiss that it's a preposition but the noun horos, which is what the uh, the noun of the verb in the in the word, it means a boundary or a limit. The verb itself means to mark out the boundary of limits or any place or thing. When used of persons, it means to put limitations upon that person, thus to determine his destiny. The preposition pro prefixed to the verb means before. The compound verb means to mark out the boundary of or limits of of a place, thing, or person. Previously, thus to predestine. So we pretty much have a good idea what the word means. Problem is, we have a hard time with this application. And that's really what most of the controversy over this word is, determining what is predestined. It's not so much that we d- dispute that there is predestination or that things are predestined, but we sure do dis- distri- uh, dispute what is predestined. And, of course, we have, uh, I put four things down in here that that people have uh, put into the area of predestination. One is salvation. Have we not gotten into the place where some people have taught that certain ones are predestined to be saved and certain ones are predestined not to be? That there are those that are elect and those that are not. There is uh, those that teach that our function in in the body of Christ is predestined. There are those who teach that our rank in the body of Christ is predestined. And even that our importance in the body of Christ is predestined. Paul was predestined to be an important guy, whereas some other people in the Bible were predestined to not be so important. So what is it, what are the things that are predestined and what are the things that are not? We're going to first off take a look at some places here where the word is used. In Acts chapter 4, verse 28, this is one of the times that we see this word being used in the in the ones that we'll get into here. To do whatever your hand and your purpose determined beforehand to be done. Go back to verse 27. Let's cut the rest of it. I didn't realize we were catching that in the middle of the, of the sentence. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. And then we have 28. To do whatever your hand and your purpose Determined before to be done. So that would seem that there's some predestination there, wouldn't it? To do whatever your hand and your purpose determined beforehand to be done. So what was being determined beforehand to be done? Go back over to verse 27 again. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate and the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined beforehand to be done. So they were doing things against 
And who was doing it? Herod. Pontius Pilate. The Gentiles. And the people of Israel. So the people of Israel we know included the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Herodians. The, um, the Gentiles included the Roman soldiers. The uh, Pontius Pilate was one of the ones who had him before as a, judging him. Herod was another one. They were judging him. Did they, did they not, was it not Pontius Pilate who said, you guys go ahead and crucify him. I've seen him. I found him to be innocent. Was it not the people of Israel who cried out, don't free for us Barabbas. Free for us. Or, or free Jesus, free for us Barabbas. Isn't that what they did? Wasn't the, the, the uh, soldiers the ones who whipped him? Weren't they the ones who put the robe on him? And so what's the Word of God saying here? That this was predetermined, Right? predestined that this was going to happen. That this was... was So, it's not Pontius Pilate's fault, is it? <laughs> it's not the Jewish... I mean, come on, if it's predestined. If it's predetermined, it's not their fault. The, the soldiers who did that, it's not their fault, is it? They didn't have a choice. It had to be done. And it was determined beforehand that they were going to do it. Isn't that right? If they predest, if it's predestined, and here we have it, it's predestined, so it must have been determined beforehand. Therefore, God cannot hold Herod and Pontius Pilate and the Roman soldiers and the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Can he? It's predetermined. It's predestined. Right? So what goes, what gives here? I mean, are you under the impression that Pontius Pilate is going to be judged for his role? Herod? The Roman soldiers? The children of Israel? Is it not also true that Jerusalem fell in part because of their rebellion and what they did against Jesus? Didn't Jesus tell the parable of how the, the owner of the vineyard sent the prophets, what it ended up being the representative of the prophets, and they beat them and stoned them. And then he sent his own son, saying they would surely recognize him. And they killed him. And he said, what will become of him? He said, well, they'll come on down and he'll destroy him. What was the thing that, that finally threw him to come over here and destroy him? Killing his son. Does that sound like Jesus is teaching that they're not going to be held accountable? So Jesus seems to teach in his parables that they're going to be held accountable for killing the son. And yet if it's predestined predetermined, how can God hold them accountable? Alright, key verse here. Here's the key verse. I don't even have to give you the reference to this. You already know it. Is it not true that Jesus Himself said, put the sword away? Do you not know that right now I could call and my Father would send a legion of angels? Why would the Father send a legion of angels if it's predestined? What's going to happen? Wouldn't the Father just say, well, I can't do that. It's predestined. Does that not tell you that Jesus had a choice? If Jesus had a choice, then how could Pontius Pilate not have a choice? How could Herod not have a choice? How could the Roman soldiers not have a choice? How is that possible? Going over to Romans chapter 8, verse 29. We're looking at the situation, all the situations in the New Testament where this word is being used. For whom he foreknew, he also what? There's our word, predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. 
that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now, we're going to go in the next verse here, but let's look at this one. For whom he foreknew, for those that he foreknew would become born again, right? He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Does that mean that every single one who is foreknown will conform to the image of his son? Do you know people in the body of Christ that have not conformed to the image of his son? But doesn't that say he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son? That he might be the firstborn among many brethren? If he predestined it, how is it that we have a choice? How is it that some people can choose not to be predestined and become into this conformed image that he said he predestined us to be in? How's that possible? Go on the next verse. In him also we have obtained an inheritance. Whoops, there we go. We went reading the wrong one. Now we're in 30. Moreover, whom he predestined, whom he predestined, which are those he foreknew, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also Justified, and whom he justified, these he also glorified. glorified. So whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also... Now is everyone who is foreknown justified? You're afraid to answer anymore, I know. <laughs> Can you get into heaven without being justified? I'm not talking about sanctified, I'm talking about justified. And sanctification is a different process, but we're justified through Jesus. But that means that those whom He predestined, who may or may not come into this conformed image of the Son, are still justified. Isn't that right? Are not, is not every single person in the body of Christ called? Is not every single one called? Do they fulfill it? No, but they are called. Can you see? Just because God said that this is going to be so doesn't mean that it's necessarily going to be so. Who's the deciding factor? We are. We are. We got one more to look at. or no, Yeah, one more to look at. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 7. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages, which God ordained before the ages for our glory. So 1 Corinthians 2, 7. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained or predestined before the ages for our glory. So the mystery, the hidden wisdom, God ordained before the ages for our glory. Does it come to glory for everyone? But it's pre preordained, predestined that this would go so that this would be so. Alright, before we get into the predestination part of it here. Let's take a look at, at this part. Now, let's, let's go back over this. The idea is here. Salvation. We don't believe that some people are picked for salvation and some people are not, do we? So we don't really have to spend a whole lot of time on that. But there are people out there who teach that certain ones are predestined to be saved and certain ones are predestined not to be. We have a word right inside this, this verse that will show us that's not true. As far as function, are we predestined to a certain function in the body of Christ. Are we not predestined to a certain function in the body of Christ? Well, what's the Word of God tell, talk to us about the body, parts of the body? Are all a, are all an, 
hand or all an eye or all a foot? Well, if the hand should say, I am not an eye, what's that mean? It means you've been, you've been called, you've been called, you're going to be a foot in the body of Christ. You're going to be a hand in the body of Christ. You're going to be an eye in the body of Christ. You're going to be an ear in the body of Christ. Right? Is that a predestination? It's preordained, pre, pre done that this is your function. This is what I need you to be. Isn't that right? Now, just take a look, you know, if, uh, best example I can throw out to you is a sports team. Say that the coach and the general manager of a football team get together on draft day and they say, we need an offensive tackle. We need a wide receiver. We need whatever position we need. And they look over the draft board and they find a guy who is 370 pounds, six foot four, and he plays offensive tackle. And so they pick him for their team because they need an offensive tackle. And he comes on in and says, I'm tired of playing offensive tackle. I've always wanted to be a wide receiver. <laughs> he's not quite built for that position that <laughs> well, is he? No, he's not. But can you, is it not so that the, that the head of the team has predestined that this one should play offensive tackle? But that the player coming on in says, I don't want to play offensive tackle. Can he not do that? Have it, has it not been done in the past that people have come in and said, I don't want to play that. I, I don't want to do that. I'm tired of doing that. I want to do something else. They can do that. Does it mess up the team? Messes up, it hurts the team. And, and God says, I, if, I, if I have selected you to be a foot, I need you to be a foot. I need you to stop looking over there and trying to be a hand. I need you to be a foot. That's your function. How about a rank? Do we have a pre, predestined rank? Well, doesn't the Word of God teach us in Timothy that in a great house there are vessels of gold and silver, clay and wood, some for honor, some for dishonor? And how is it that we can become a vessel of honor? He says, purge yourself from the latter, the list that he gave. Purge yourself from these things and you'll become a vessel of? Is that a predestined position? Has God said, thou shalt be in a vessel of clay? No, I've said it, haven't I? If I don't purge myself from the latter, I've said it. So our function can be predestined, but our rank is not. But our function very often is. When Moses was called, what was he called to be? A deliverer. Paul, in this epistle, he tells us that his call was to be an, an apostle. Paul, an apostle. He was called to be an apostle. He wasn't always fulfilling that call, was he? But he still had that call in his life, whether he was fulfilling it or not. Was that not predestined? As to what God did not God beforehand decide what he's going to be? What he needed him to be? Now, we already covered Ephesians 1, 5. Go over down to Ephesians 1 and verse 11. Ephesians 1 and verse 11. That's the only other place we didn't look at. In him also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. So He has a counsel of His will and He's going to work all things according to that. And by that, He says, I need so-and-so to be this position. I need Paul to be an apostle. I need Moses to be the deliverer. I need Isaiah to be a prophet. I need Peter to be a disciple. Does He, does, does he not pick all these positions? 
And he says, I've equipped you. I've made you ready for this. You know, a, a 375 pound, six foot three person is not cut out to be a wide receiver. You don't even have to look at him. You don't have to see a highlight film. All you need to see is 6'3", 370 pounds. We know where he goes. That's all there is to it. When we're born, I mean, some people are born with large bone structures. Some people are born with small bone structures. Some people are born and their natural weight is higher than another person who's born whose natural weight is lower. There is not one ideal weight. Throw that right out. These people want to go out there and say, your ideal weight is 165. Throw them out the window. They have no idea what your ideal weight is because every single person is made different. Stop listening to those people. It's garbage. If you take a person who was, who was born to be 160 pounds and try and put them up to 220 pounds, they won't be comfortable. And you take a person who was born to be six foot three, 370 pounds and try and make them 280, they're going to have a tough time. God made us all individuals. Made us all unique. And stop listening to these people who want to say there's a cookie cutter mold and you all got to just fit into it. If you're this tall, then you ought to be this much weight. That is just garbage. You listen to your, your spirit, listen to the body that God has given you. Stop listening to all these other things. We're all different. We're all unique. And God has called some to be apostles and some prophets and some pastors and teachers and some, and he list goes on. And when he has called them to be those things, then he's equipped them. If God has called someone to be an offensive lineman, he's equipped them with the body to take it. If God has called you to be a prophet, He has equipped you with the body to take the beating that a, be, that a prophet will take. Take the rigmaroles of the, of the, of the thing that's, that's going to go on there. He'll, he'll equip you to do that. And everyone is different. And no one's the same. We've got we to gotta, gotta quit that. God has, has said, I know where I want you. I have put you according to the counsel of my will. You are predestined according to the purpose of Him. It's His purpose. So there's certain things that we're predestined to and certain things we can attain to. And we shouldn't mix that up. Now, going back over to first to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. When did He choose us? In Him before the foundation of the world. That's a long time ago. That we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Now the word there for love, I've read up a whole bunch of stuff on this and no one can figure out definitively what in love is working on. Most seem to think that since it's closest, it's probably the predestined part. So let's just assume that that's the case. That in love is talking about the predestined part. Does what most people teach about predestination seem to, to you to be working in love? If God predestined certain ones to salvation and predestined other ones to not be saved, is that love? I don't think so. If God has, has uh, preordained certain ones to be in high-ranking positions and certain ones to be in low-ranking ones, is that love? But if God has said, you know what, I've equipped you this way and therefore here is the place that you're going to fit the best, is that love? In love, having predestined to the adoption of sons by Jesus Christ to Himself according to the good pleasure of His will. So having predestined us 
to the adoption of sons. The adoption of sons, as we talked about before, is a mature position. It is a place which we are all born into the family and we're not adopted. We talked about that before. We are born into the family of God, not adopted. We are never adopted into the family of God. We are born again. We are born into the family. The adoption here is the Greek term, hoiaphasia, which means son placing the, the Jewish ceremony to take an immature son and move them into a position of a mature son in which they no longer differ from a servant but now have all the rights and privileges of a son. And that's found over in Galatians where Paul teaches quite extensively on that whole thing. So he says that we have been predestined, having predestined us to adoption as sons. Verse 5, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. That's the same thing the other verse is talking about. It's according to his will. He's predestined us to the adoption of sons by Jesus Christ. Well, does everyone get there? Does everyone get to the place of being adopted as sons? No. There's a whole lot of Christians who go around their Christian existence and never come into the maturity that they're supposed to. Never do. It's their fault. It's not God's. He's predestined them. He says, I want you to be in this position. This is where I want you to go. Any son born into a Jewish family in this time of day was predestined to go into the place of adoption of sons. They were predestined for it. Didn't mean to get there. They were put under tutors until they got to the point where they were able to step into this. Well, as we've taught often enough here, that any doctrine that is taught in the Word of God that we should be doing anything about is not only taught straightforward, but is also demonstrated. Is the doctrine of predestination taught pretty extensively in the Word of God? I know that there's other things that are taught more, but, there's, but it's not just found in one or two places, right? We find this in a number of places. So if we find this in a number of places, should it not be that there are examples of it in, op in operation? There should be examples of it, right? And so if we're going to fully understand this, then we've got to find examples of this in the Word of God. Are there examples in the Word of God where God says, you guys, I don't like you, and you are not going to get saved? We don't have that, do we? Do we have examples in the Word of God where God says, all right, as far as rank is concerned, you guys are peons. I don't like you a whole lot. I'm going to let you in, but you're not going to be coming to a high place. But you guys, I really like you. You're, you're just, you're sharp. I like you. Do we have examples of that? Let's take a look at some of the examples we have in the Word of God. And once we get through these, you can probably come up with some more on your own. Adam and Eve. Was it not predestined for them to go into the garden, to rule over the garden, to multiply and be fruitful in the garden and to stay in the garden all their days? Was it predestined for them to live forever? Did they fulfill it? No. Whose fault was it? It, was there. it wasn't God's, was it? God didn't come down there and say, I predestined you to slip up and eat of the tree. That was theirs. They decided. So God had predestined for them to rule and to reign, to guard and protect the garden, and to be in a state of perfect sinlessness all their days. But they didn't stay with it, did they? 
Abraham in Genesis chapter 17, verse 3. Then Abraham fell on his face and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you, I have made you a father of many nations. Does that not sound like predestination? A predetermined course of action. Doesn't that what it sounds like to you? For I have made you a father of many nations. Did Abraham decide this? Did Abraham decide, I'm going to become a father of many nations? Who decided? So it had to be according to his will, right? For I have made you a father. Didn't say I'm going to make you. I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. And I will make nations of you and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. Also, I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Has God predestined that Israel would have the land of Canaan? Can we come up with any other conclusion that God predestined that Abraham would be a father of many nations and that Israel would have the land of Canaan? That's a predestined direction that God has said, is it not? Now, we know from the rest of Scriptures, too, that God even said, now, look, you're going to go over to Egypt and you're going to be uh, in there and they're going to enslave you. And after 400 years, I'm going to come bring you out. And then you're going to come into them for for the sin of the Canaanites is not yet full. And when it was full, they came out. Jacob and Esau. This is a real fun one. Romans 9.13 As it is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. You know where that was written? Now most of, you, most of us would think that back in Genesis, wouldn't we? Except it's in Malachi. Chapter 1, verse 2-3 through I have loved you, says the Lord, yet you say, In what way have you loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother? Says the Lord, yet Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated, and laid waste his mountains and his heritage for the jackals of the wilderness. Now, we, some folks would look at, look at the teaching on Jacob and Esau, because it seemed that from the beginning God said that the younger would serve, or the, the, the older would serve the younger. I'm sorry, I said that wrong. And that meant that Jacob would be the, the ruler there, and Esau would not. And we saw that from the course of things, that it's, it's not so much that God said, all right, Esau, we're going to put him down, do everything we can to put him down. Esau decided it on his own, didn't he? Did anyone coerce Esau to sell his birthright? But he, the Word of God says he counted as nothing and sold it for a bowl of soup or a stew or whatever it was that he, that he had. He didn't count it as a whole lot. And that was the way that he went. He didn't count the things of God or the blessings that came from God as important. Which is why God said that before they were even born, Jacob is going to rule Esau is going to serve his younger brother. Because he saw the way that the whole thing was going to play out. But did God determine beforehand that Esau, I don't like you, so you're going to go follow a bad play, a a, a bad way? These are Esau's decisions. Joseph. Joseph is given a dream when he's young that he would be a ruler. 
Is that a predestined plan from God? Joseph, this is what I have for you. I need you to become ruler. You're going to become ruler over land. I need you to have that as a goal. I need you to have that in, in the forefront of your mind. This is what you're going to be because I need you to be there. This is what I need. Here's what you got to do. In 2 Samuel verse 12, verse 13. So David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, The Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. However, because by this deed you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme the child also who is born to you shall surely die. The prophet said that because of what you did, David, you have given great occasion to the enemy. And we know that from what David did, that the enemy had great occasion, not just through this child because his child died and therefore he didn't get the occasion through that, but he still found some other ways to disrupt the household of David. None of those things were things God wanted for them, but David came upon them because he went this direction. God did not foreordain, God did not predestine, God did not preplan for David to have anything to do with Bathsheba. Was not in the plan. And there's a problem because of it. But even still, God took the, the son from Bathsheba, Solomon, and made him into a king. But that's not something that God did. Because even right here, the prophet is saying, However, because by this deed, you have given great occasion. You have given great occasion. The reason that David was found fault here is because God did not ordain this from the beginning. God did not say, David, I need you to you know, commit adultery. And then uh, commit murder to murder the husband of the gal you're going to commit adultery with. And, you know, we got to get him out of the way because I need you to marry Bathsheba so that, you know, we can have Solomon. What, God couldn't make a great king out of all the other wives that he had? Luke chapter 4, verse 17. Speaking of Jesus. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. This is a scripture that comes from, I believe, Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61, as far as I remember, is written before Jesus was born. That means that this course of action for the Son of God, Messiah, was determined before He was born what He would do, right? Is that predestination? Was Jesus predestined to follow this path? Could Jesus have followed a different path? Was He forced into this? Was there ever a time that Jesus could have detoured? How about in the wilderness when Satan tempted Him? Was that a detour? How about when they were ready to make him king? Could that have been a detour? How about when Satan said, Bow down to me now, I'll have you, you can accomplish your purpose right here. I'll give you all the, all the, all the kingdoms. Right now. You don't have to go through all that stuff to get it. I'll, I'll just give it to you right now if you bow down. Could he have detoured then? How about when they wanted to push him off the cliff? Would that have been a detour? How about when he said himself, I can call for a legion of angels and they'll come on down here and set me free. Would that have been a detour? Now, Jesus didn't say, I can call down a legion of angels if that wasn't possible. 
He has to know it's possible and has to know the Father would say so. Or would do so. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. This is the purpose. To proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. This is all purpose, isn't it? This is all what He is going to accomplish. This is the purpose, Jesus. This is why you're here. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. To proclaim liberty to the captives. To set free those who are in bondage. To recover your sight to the blind. Heal the brokenhearted. Preach the gospel to the... These are the things he's supposed to do. Abraham, father of many. Joseph, ruler. Because he needed him in that ruler position to be able to preserve his people. That Israel would, would come into the Can- land of Canaan and take it over. What God predestines is our purpose in life for his kingdom. That's what he predestines. He doesn't predestine that we are going to be in the kingdom. He predestines those that he foreknew what their position will be in the kingdom. Because he's, he, he uses us to fight the enemy. And so in order to fight the enemy, you need to have certain tools. Well, I need to have certain tools. I need to have certain things going on. So this one over here, they're going to do this. This one over here, they're going to do this. And this one over here, they're going to do this. And he's accomplishing the things that he needs with his, with those that are out there for him. Hey, but Peter in John chapter 21, Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke signifying by what death he would die. Right? No. No. This he spoke signifying what death he would glorify God. Is that not purpose? Did Peter's death not have a purpose? By what death he would glorify God. Therefore, it becomes a purpose in the kingdom. Peter, I need you. You're going to die this way because it's going to bring my kingdom glory. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'll do that then. Could he have gone another direction? He surely could have. I mean, this is the guy who denied Jesus three times right after he was told, you're going to deny me three times. And he said, no, no, no. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to. No, 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 no. Nah, no, no. Everybody else? That guy, John? Yeah, I, I understand him. He's a wimp. <clears throat> but not me. I'm tough. You know me, Jesus. You and me to the death. This he spoke signifying what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said, follow me. Follow me. Follow me. We just listened to uh, uh, somebody was teaching from down at Grace. I forget who it was. And they were talking about, I think it was uh, Pastor Bob's son. And he was teaching on this thing, follow me. That Peter's words, first words that Jesus ever said to, to, to Peter was, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And he began to go through the life of Peter and begin to show how Peter kept following him and following him and following him. Jesus is out there in the water. What does he do? <laughs> he follows him out there in the water. Doesn't he? I never had looked at it that way, but that might just be. He followed him right on out there. And then when, when Jesus started talking about how he was, 
he was dying and, and Peter pulled him over and rebuked him. Right? What do you think that Peter might have been thinking about? Follow me. Follow me. <laughs> Follow me. Well, I don't want to go here. <laughs> you, need, you need a detour. You need to get off that here a little bit. That's not, we don't, that's not fun. Follow me. I don't want to do that. I thought that's pretty interesting. And now here are the last words Jesus says. What's he say again? Follow me. Follow me. What did Jesus just do? He died on the cross. Peter says, all right. Now, Peter couldn't set it up, but Jesus just said, people are going to gird you. They're going to go where you didn't want to go. You're going to spread your arms out. This is what's going to happen. Follow me. Oh, the Word of God has so many people we can go in here and, and take a look for. Jeremiah. Was he not predestined for a purpose? To be a prophet? Did God not call him with that? Isaiah. Did not God not call him up into heaven and say, hold on, I need you, I need you to be, t- you need to, to go this way, you need to speak my words. Oh, no, 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 I can't do that. I'm a man of unclean lips. Angel, get over there and take care of that. All right, now, now we've taken care of that problem. Now let's get on with this. Yes, sir. Solomon. Was he not called to a purpose? He did leave it though, didn't he? Saul. Was not Saul called to be... What was, what was the thing that God called Saul to be? King and for an enduring house. But he didn't live right. He didn't function right. And so God says, I can't make an enduring house out of you. I have to go find another. But what was God's purpose? To make an enduring house out of Saul. That's the purpose God ordained him for. Pre destined him that for the rest of this time someone from Saul's house would be on the throne. And boy, look at the first one that could have been there. Jonathan. King Jonathan. I mean, wow. What a man of God. What would would the stories be like if he was king? King Jonathan. You just dream of what they would have been like. I bet God had all these predestined things for Jonathan and then Saul messed up and stopped it. Right there. But God had laid it out. God had laid out that God would be king over Israel all their days. And then Israel decided, you know what, we want a king like all the other nations. And God said to Samuel, Samuel, they have not rejected you. They've rejected me. Give them a final warning. Tell them what a king is going to be. And then we'll go ahead and we'll do that. But that wasn't God's way, was it? Just because God predestines a way does not mean it will happen. There are certain things we have to do. Certain ways we have to go. Abraham had to get in faith in order to become a father of many nations. It took 25 years to get him there. But he finally got to a place where he was a man of faith. And it happened. We didn't even look at all the people in the Word of God, but how many more can we? are you thinking about even now? How about Daniel? Was Daniel predestined to, to a purpose? Hmm. John, James, Barnabas, Philip. They were ordained, preordained, predestined for a purpose. It was never predestined 
who would be in the kingdom. But God says, those that are in my kingdom, I've got a place for you on the team. Now, whether you fulfill that or not is up to you. But I've predestined for you a place on the team, a function. It's something that I need. It's something that will bring glory to my name. It's something that's according to my will. Predestination, never something to be shunned or looked or down upon. Well, that's just not, that's not that important. It's just, it's so disruptive. All we have to do is go through the Word of God. Because whatever the Word of God teaches is demonstrated. Can we not see where a predestined plan, place, purpose has gone on? You have been predestined to be an eye, an ear, a foot, a hand. You have been predestined to a certain direction to bring glory to God. Whether you live up to that or not, whether you go that way is up to you. But God, from the day He foreknew that you would be walking in His kingdom, before the foundation of the earth, predestined a plan for you. That means, folks, that you're not an afterthought. You won't get lost in the shuffle. And it's never the fact that, well, God doesn't even know that I'm here. I don't think I'll even be missed. It's not true. It's not right. I think of this sometimes. How many of you have ever watched that show Lost? I watched that show Lost. I just thought it was one of the most unique little things that had gone on. So I was watching that in the beginning. And I found out from the beginning that before they ever wrote the first first show, they determined the end. And they, they said all through it, says, yeah, we we're, we're, have all these kind of mysteries, all these kind of unknown things. But in the end, everything will be answered because it's all been laid out. We know how many seasons this is going. And so I watched, and, and I would see all the different things that would un, un, unleash, and my wife and I would sit there, and we watch it and just frustrate her. It would just frustrate her. Oh, I can't, I can't figure this out. I wouldn't try and figure it out. I would just watch it, and oh, boy, that's another mystery. Oh, I can't wait to figure out what to do with that. And then they got to the end. How many watched right to the end? Watched to the end. The most disappointing ending to any show I've ever seen. I will never watch a rerun of the show. I really don't care anything about the show anymore because they totally blew it. Because what they had for an ending was actually the stupidest thing in the world. But you see, God's not that way. What God has for an ending, blow your doors off. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, he's got, he's got a humdinger. And he doesn't mess things up like that. He doesn't get, get to the point where, oh, are you kidding me? That? Really? Oh. No, he's, he has predestined a place for us. He didn't predestine whether you would be in the family or not because he made a way for everyone for that. But he predestined, this is where I need you. This is where I want you. And I've equipped you because I knew you were coming. I knew you would be here around this time. And I made you ready for what I need you for. Anytime we ever go to God and say, God, I just don't have the ability. I just can't do it. We're saying, God, you messed up. You didn't plan this out right. I mean, come on. God can plan the entire universe, create the entire universe, have a plan for every single member in the body of Christ, and just for kicks, count your hairs all, all the while. I mean, that's a planner. 
<laughs> he's a good planner. And he's got all this stuff down. He's got all this stuff taken care of. He is one phenomenal planner. Put this in near the end here. What is predestined is not pre-programmed. It is not pre-programmed. There are decisions that you can make and those decisions will affect how you do to fulfill that. Brother Hagen used to tell us you know, after he was pastoring for a number of years and then the Word of God spoke to him when he was out there on the road and he said to, the Lord spoke to him and said, you are now ready to enter into the first phase of your ministry. And he'd been pastoring for a dozen years and he, he said to the Lord, he said, first phase? First First phase? <laughs> What am I doing all these years? First phase. And God's word to him, many ministers live and die and never enter into the first phase of their ministry. Those are powerful words. I, I remember the day he told us that. Powerful stuff. There's a whole lot of preparation we go in to get ready for the first phase. We look at Joseph and we can see all the preparation he went into. And he's not even in the first phase. <laughs> As far as we can tell, you don't you don't worry about that. You understand God has predestined a purpose. He's predestined you into the plan. He knows you're part of the team, and He's made things ready for you. Whether you go in get into it or not, it's not dependent on any other person. It's dependent on decisions that you make and how serious you are about doing what God says. It makes no difference whether I think you have done what God says. What makes the difference is that you do what God said. That's the main part. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the fact that you have predestined us according to your purpose, for your will, for your glory. Oh, we thank you for it. We look forward, Father, to whatever it is we do in this life, bringing glory to your kingdom, accomplishing your will. If we're a foot, we're going to be the best foot we can. If we're a hand, we're going to put it all into being a hand. For an eye, oh, we're going to be the best eye we can be. Whatever it is that we're called to, to be in, we will not take it lightly. We thank you for the help that you give us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.